Section 22 of Smithsonian Institution, United States National Museum, Bulletin 240, Contributions from the Museum of History and Technology, Papers 34-44 through 44 on Science and Technology, by the Museum of History and Technology. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Paper 42. The Pioneer. Light Passenger Locomotive of 1851 in the Museum of History and Technology by John H. White In the mid-19th century, there was a renewed interest in the light single-axle locomotives which were proving so very successful for passenger traffic. These engines were built in limited number by nearly every well-known maker, and among the few remaining is the six-wheel Pioneer, on display in the Museum of History and Technology, Smithsonian Institution. The locomotive is a true representation of a light passenger locomotive of 1851 and a historic relic of the mid-19th century. The author, John H. White, is associate curator of transportation in the Smithsonian Institution's Museum of History and Technology. The Pioneer is an unusual locomotive and on first inspection would seem to be imperfect for service on an American railroad of the 1850s. This locomotive has only one pair of driving wheels and no truck, an arrangement which marks it as very different from the highly successful standard eight-wheel engine of this period. All six wheels of the Pioneer are rigidly attached to the frame. It is only half the size of an eight-wheel engine of 1851 and about the same size of the 420 so common in this country some 20 years earlier. Its general arrangement is that of the rigid English locomotive, which had, years earlier, proven unsuitable for use on U.S. railroads. These objections are more apparent than real, for the Pioneer and other engines of the same design proved eminently successful when used in the service for which they were built, that of light passenger traffic. The Pioneer's rigid wheelbase is no problem, for when it is compared to that of an eight-wheel engine, it is found to be about four feet less, and its small size is no problem when we realize it was not intended for heavy service. Figure 2, a diagram, is a comparison of the Pioneer and a standard eight-wheel locomotive. Sidebar. Exhibits of the Pioneer. The Pioneer has been a historic relic since 1901. In the fall of that year, minor repairs were made to the locomotive so that it might be used in the sesquicentennial celebration at Carlisle, Pennsylvania. On October 22, 1901, the engine was ready for service, but as it neared Carlisle, a copper flue burst. The fire was extinguished and the Pioneer was pushed into town by another engine. In the 20th century, the Pioneer was displayed at the Louisiana Purchase Exposition, St. Louis, Missouri, in 1904, and at the Wheeling, West Virginia Semicentennial in 1913. In 1927, it joined many other historic locomotives of the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad's Fair of the Iron Horse, which commemorated the first 100 years of that company. From about 1913 to 1925, the Pioneer also appeared a number of times at the Apple Blossom Festival at Winchester, Virginia. In 1933-34, through 34, it was displayed at the World's Fair in Chicago, and in 1948 at the Railroad Fair in the same city. 
between 1934 and March 1947, it was exhibited at the Franklin Institute, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Since the service life of the pioneer was spent on the Cumberland Valley Railroad, a brief account of that line is necessary to an understanding of the service history of this locomotive. The Cumberland Valley Railroad The Cumberland Valley Railroad, CVRR, was chartered on April 2, 1831, to connect the Susquehanna and Potomac Rivers by a railroad through the Cumberland Valley in south-central Pennsylvania. The Cumberland Valley, with its rich farmland and iron ore deposits, was a natural north-south route long used as a portage between these two rivers. Construction began in 1836, and because of the level valley, some 52 miles of line was completed between Harrisburg and Chambersburg by November 16, 1837. In 1860, by way of the Franklin Railroad, the line extended to Hagerstown, Maryland. It was not until 1871 that the Cumberland Valley Railroad reached its projected southern terminus, the Potomac River, by extending to Powell's Bend, Maryland, Winchester, Virginia, was entered in 1890, giving the Cumberland Valley Railroad about 165 miles of line. The railroad, which had become associated with the Pennsylvania Railroad in 1859, was merged with that company in 1919. By 1849, the Cumberland Valley Railroad was in poor condition. The strap rail track was worn out, and new locomotives were needed. Captain Daniel Tyler was hired to supervise rebuilding the line with T-rail and easy grades and curves. Tyler recommended that a young friend of his, Alba F. Smith, be put in charge of modernizing and acquiring new equipment. Smith recommended to the Railroad's Board of Managers on June 25, 1851, that much lighter engines than those now in use may be substituted for the passenger transportation, and thereby effect a great saving, both in point of fuel and road repairs. Smith may well have gone on to explain that the road was operating three- and four-car passenger trains with a locomotive weighing about 20 tons. The total weight was about 75 tons, equaling the uneconomical dead weight of 1,200 pounds per passenger. Since speed was not an important consideration, 30 miles per hour being a good average, the use of lighter engines would improve the deadweight to passenger ratio and would not result in a slower schedule. The Board of Managers agreed with Smith's recommendations and instructed him to examine the two locomotives lately built by Mr. Wilmarth and now in the protection of Captain Tyler at Norwich, and if in his judgment they are adequate to our wants, have them forwarded to the road. Smith inspected the locomotives not long after this resolution was passed, for they were on the road by the time he made the following report to the board on September 24, 1851. In accordance with the resolution passed at the last meeting of your body, relative to the small engines built by Mr. Wilmarth, I proceeded to Norwich to make trial of their capacity, fitness, or suitability to the passenger transportation of our road, and after as thorough a trial as circumstances would admit, being on another road than our own, I became satisfied that with some necessary improvements which would not be expensive, and are now being made at our shop, the engines would do the business of our road 
not only in a manner satisfactory in point of speed and certainty but with greater ultimate economy in expenses than has before been practiced in this country after making the above trial of the engines i stated to your honorable president the results of the trial with my opinion of their capacity to carry our passenger trains at the speed required which was decidedly in favor of the ability of the engines he accordingly agreed that the engines should at once be forwarded to the road in compliance with the resolution of your board i immediately ordered the engines shipped at the most favorable rates they came to our road safely in the condition in which they were shipped one of the engines has been placed on the road and i believed performed in such a manner as to convince all who are able to judge of this ability to perform although the maximum duty of the engines was not performed on account of some original defects which are now being remedied as i before stated within ten days the engine will be able to run regularly with a train on the road wherein shall be enabled to judge correctly of the merits an accident occurred during the trial of the small engine at norwich which caused a damage of about three hundred dollars in which condition the engine came here and is now being repaired the cost of which will be presented to your board hereafter as to the fault or blame of parties connected with the accident as also the question of responsibility for repairs are questions for your disposal i therefore leave the matter until further called upon the expenses necessarily incurred by the trial of the engines and also the expenses of transporting the same are not included in the statement herewith presented the whole amount of which will not probably exceed four hundred dollars these two locomotives became the cumberland valley railroad's pioneer number thirteen and jenny lind number fourteen while smith notes that one of the engines was damaged during the inspection trials joseph winters an employee of the cumberland valley who claimed he was accompanying the engine en route to chambersburg at the time of their delivery later recalled that both engines were damaged in transit according to winters a train ran into the rear of the jenny lind damaging both it and the pioneer the accident occurred near middletown pennsylvania the Jenny Lind was repaired at Harrisburg, but the Pioneer, less seriously damaged, was taken for repairs to the main shops of the Cumberland Valley Road at Chambersburg. While there seems little question that these locomotives were not built as direct order for the Cumberland Valley Railroad, an article appearing in the Railroad Advocate in 1855 credits their design to Smith. The article speaks of a 224 built for the Macon and Western Railroad, and says in part, this engine is designed and built very generally upon the ideas embodied in some small tank engines designed by a f smith esq for the cumberland valley road mr smith is a strong advocate of light engines and his novel style and proportions of engines as built for him a few years since by seth wilmarth at boston are known to some of our readers without knowing all the circumstances under which these engines are worked on the cumberland valley road we should not venture to repeat all that we have heard of their performances it is enough to say that they are said to do more in proportion to their weight than any other engines now in use the author believes that the railroad advocate's claim of smith's design of the pioneer has been confused with his design of the utility smith designed his compensating lever engine to haul trains over the cvrr bridge at harrisburg it was built by wilmarth in eighteen fifty four according to statements of smith and the board of managers quoted on page two hundred and forty four the pioneer and the jenny lind 
were not new when purchased from their maker, Seth Woolmar. Although of recent manufacture, previous to June 1851, they were apparently doing service on a road in Norwich, Connecticut. It should be mentioned that both Smith and Tyler were formerly associated with the Norwich and Worcester Railroad, and they probably learned of these two engines through this former association. It is possible that the engines were purchased from Wilmarth by the Cumberland Valley Road, which had bought several other locomotives from Wilmarth in previous years. It was the practice of at least one other New England engine builder, the Taunton Locomotive Works, to manufacture engines on the speculation that a buyer would be found. If no immediate buyers appeared, the engine was leased to a local road until a sale was made. Regarding the Jenny Lind and Pioneer, Smith reported to the Board of Managers at their meeting of March 17, 1852, the small tank engines which were purchased last year and which I spoke in a former report as undergoing at that time some necessary improvements have since that time been fairly tested as to their capacity to run our passenger trains and prove to be equal to the duty. The improvements proposed to be made have been completed only on one engine, Jenny Lind, which is now running regularly with passenger trains. The cost of repairs and improvements of this engine, this being the one accidentally broken on the trial, amounted to $476.51. The other engine is now in the shop, not yet ready for service, but will be at an early day. The Pioneer and Jenny Lind achieved such success in action that the president of the road, Frederick Watts, commented on their performance in the annual report of the Cumberland Valley Railroad for 1851. Watts stated that since their passenger trains were rarely more than a baggage car and two coaches, the light locomotives have been found to be admirably adapted to our business. The Cumberland Valley Railroad, therefore, added two more locomotives of similar design in the next few years. These engines were the Boston and the Enterprise, also built by Wilmarth in 1854-1855. through 1855. Watts reported the Pioneer and Jenny Lind cost $7,642. A standard eight-wheel engine costs about 6500 to 8000 each during this period. In recent years, the Pennsylvania Railroad has stated the Pioneer cost $6,200 in gold, but is unable to give the source for this information. The author can discount this statement, for it does not seem reasonable that a light, cheap engine of the pattern of the Pioneer could cost as much as a machine nearly twice its size. Service History of the Pioneer After being put in service, the Pioneer continued to perform well, and was credited as able to move a four-car passenger train along smartly at 40 miles per hour. This tranquility was shattered in October of 1862 by a raiding party led by Confederate General J.E.B. Stewart, which burned the Chambersburg shops of the Cumberland Valley Railroad. The Pioneer, Jenny Lind, and Utility were partly destroyed. The Cumberland Valley Railroad, in its report for 1862, stated, The wood shop, machine shop, blacksmith shop, engine house, wood sheds, and passenger depot were totally consumed, and with the engine house, three second-class engines were much injured by the fire, but not so destroyed but that they may be restored to usefulness. However, no record can be found of the extent or exact nature of the damage. The shops and a number of cars were burned, so it is reasonable to assume that the cab and other wooden parts of the locomotive were damaged. 
One unverified report in the files of the Pennsylvania Railroad states that part of the roof and brick wall fell on the Pioneer during the fire, causing considerable damage. In June of 1864, the Chambersburg shops were again burned by the Confederates, but on this occasion, the railroad managed to remove all its locomotives before the raid. During the Civil War, the Cumberland Valley Railroad was obliged to operate longer passenger trains to satisfy the enlarged traffic. The Pioneer and its sister single-axle engines were found too light for these trains and were used only on work and special trains. Reference to Table 1 will show that the mileage of the Pioneer fell off sharply for the years 1860 through 1865. In 1871, the Pioneer was remodeled by A. S. Hull, Master Mechanic of the Railroad. The exact nature of the alterations cannot be determined, as no drawings or photographs of the engine previous to this time are known to exist. In fact, the drawing of figure 8 prepared by Hull in 1876 to show the engine as remodeled in 1871 is the oldest known illustration of the Pioneer. Paul Westhafer, a lifelong student of Cumberland Valley Railroad history, states that, according to an interview with one of Hull's descendants, the only alteration made to the Pioneer during the 1871 remodeling was the addition of a handbrake. The Rhodes Annual Report of 1853 describes the Pioneer as a six-wheel tank engine. The Report of 1854 mentions that the Pioneer used link motion, these statements are enough to give substance to the idea that the basic arrangement has survived unaltered, and that it has not been extensively rebuilt, as was the Jenny Lind in 1878. By the 1870s, the Pioneer was too light for the heavier cars then in use, and by 1880 it had reached the end of its usefulness for regular service. After nearly 30 years on the road, it had run 255,675 miles. Two new passenger locomotives were purchased in 1880 to handle the heavier trains. In 1881, the Pioneer was dropped from the roster, but was used until about 1890 for work trains. After this time, it was stored in a shed at Falling Spring, Pennsylvania, near the Chambersburg yards of the Cumberland Valley Railroad. End of section 22.